good morning. Multiple tornadoes reportedly touched down the state of Tennessee on March 3rd. Putnam County was hit hard with a tornado being an EF4. Loved ones were lost and homes were devastated. We are a community that's hurting, but we are a proud community. We are proud of each other, and we are proud of our first responders. When the worst happens, they are the first ones there. In this case, the first responders join the neighbors of those in danger. So many stories of neighbor helping neighbor and first responders doing what they do best. Today, I'm joined by Emergency Management Agency Director Tyler Smith and Assistant 911 Director Brandon Smith. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. First, thank you so much for all that you do for our county and for those around us, uh, all of our citizens. You're a, God, a godsend, a blessing to all of us, and just thank you so much. You and all of our public safety employees are the true public servants. So I appreciate you as a citizen, as a commissioner. Uh, I need to let you know how much I appreciate you. So glad you're here. I know it's still a busy week. You're taking time to be with me, and I promise you we'll, we'll get you out as soon as possible. Thank you so much. Before I discuss, before we get into what happened last week, I want to make sure our listeners know who you both are, and I think they probably most people do, but I, at the same time, um, I want to know you know a little bit about you, and, and, and of course, Tyler, I want to start with you, if that's okay, Brandon. I know you're not a Mike hog as well, but or attention hog, but... Tyler, not it's not because you're the oldest either, but I do want to start <laughs> with you. Can we make it because he's the oldest? <laughs> we can. <laughs> we can. How long have you been in public safety? Uh, 34 years. 34 years. Yes. Where did you start? I started even before them. My, my father was director of civil defense. Uh, he was the first fire chief of Putnam County. So I grew up at a young age, actually responding with my father, um, when I was even 11, 12 years old. So, so you saw a lot happening yes, then, and, you, and it's just something you're passionate about. Yes. Because people don't do this because they have to. They do it because they want to, and that's another reason. I appreciate both of y'all. Um, so 34 years in public, public safety and in Putnam County the whole time? Yes. Okay. Yes. Let's see. We know more about you than we did before. <laughs> Brandon? um Sorry. You actually have several roles in public service. You are the assistant nine one assistant director for nine one one. What made you decide to go to emergency services? Uh, I was like every kid who sees the woo woo pass, and I wanted to do something with it. And when I got into junior high school and high school, uh, I learned I really liked the healthcare, the health science side of it. So I went the EMS route. Uh, started as a 911 dispatcher in 1999, so just hit 20 years, coming up on 21. Uh, worked my way out to the road as a paramedic, went and, and did some flight paramedic stuff, worked on a helicopter for Erlanger for a few years, and then came back to, to work in the 911 center in the communications role in uh, public relations. And so – assistant 911 director but you you've done so much more than that and of course i'm on the 911 board so i get to hear about what all 911 is doing your education that you're providing throughout the state and our and our kids you're in our schools a lot about every week uh used to be now the roles have changed a little bit and and especially here lately uh really focusing on the day-to-day operations and and the emergency operations center so let's get into responsibilities tyler as ema director what are your responsibilities yeah, our, the emergency management agency, we are a resource agency for all the departments within the county. So when our uh, resources are depleted, then we we turn to state resources. And uh, each department goes through our office to get those state resources uh, activated. You know, and, of course, during this tornado, we, we, act, we activated, um, you know, the uh, TEMA's temp plan, the Tennessee Emergency Management Plan, which we have the Putnam County Emergency Management plan but also 
now at the federal level it's also it just goes up the chain so yeah that's that's the way it it, it rolls through uh, our office is getting those resources in to help help in emergency situations and of course that that function of your office and that operation is funded by the county and so one thing to point out uh Putnam County, we're we're fortunate to be able to fund that because we think it's needed. It's very it's a necessity for our county. Some counties are not so fortunate where they can fully fund an EMA, uh, and, or director or an or an agency, either one where they kind of got a volunteer row, right? I mean yes, that's that's common. And, yeah. So we're a little bit different there, and, and thank God that we have that ability because. Brandon, I don't know. Would this process been as as smooth if it, we didn't have somebody like Tyler? Or? Absolutely not. Tyler and Sharon and the emergency management agency they prepare for this every day. I mean, we routinely have conversations, be it in the hallway, be it in meetings, or uh, you know, just sitting at lunch if we get the opportunity to be together. Routinely have conversations about our worst day. What does our worst day look like? What are our needs on our worst day? And then working 40 and 50 hours a week to identify and address those needs is what made us ready for this. And yeah, I mean, exactly right. As ready as we can be. Right, it's- right. And so, I, of course, y'all know I work with counties across Upper Cumberland, and I have conversations with mayors and commissioners about how important EMA is. And I don't know if they fully understand it, but yeah. I think they probably do now. Um, yeah, I think that's that's probably fair. That most people don't see them until it's a time like this yeah. and then their value really shows yeah so assistant 911 director brandon you're one of really two assistant 911 right. directors and of course penny is the the director for 911 what are your roles as assistant 911 director so i handle the day-to-day operations of the 911 center the scheduling the the dispatchers the everything that deals with them um, the technology that's in the room, making sure that the system runs, making sure it's ready, um, disaster preparedness and planning for things like this. Um, and then also manage the county's emergency alert system and the emergency operations center where we've pretty much lived for the last week. So we just had a 911 board meeting two weeks ago, and one of our topics was radios. That's right. That was handheld that's right. emergency radios, and we made a decision to do what we need to do to make sure everybody – full-time and part-time has access to radio and i think we probably made a good decision at a good time um i don't know what the radios all that hadn't come in i don't guess it's just that's a process but that's so important these handheld radios and you're overseeing that as well mike actually oversees that's one of his responsibilities but he and i tag team that that's sure. that's a big process so we try to work together on that as much as we can how many handheld radios roughly do we got out there oh 500 my goodness. I, i'd say five to six hundred yeah, yeah that's probably a good number we want all of our public safety personnel to have access to it if they need it and so most of them were used oh, I'm last sure. week yeah most of them were using 911 that's one of the good things people don't realize actually what 911 does they just think we're taking calls that's right. your office is taking calls we actually help other emergency agencies in the county whether it's sheriffs or, or uh, city police city fire county fire you know ema ems uh, rescue squad all those people have access to some of the resources we have that's so correct. that's a big part of what we do um let's move on to kind of what happened last week and, and of course i monday monday night kind of when it started i was actually i think i got to tell brandon this last week maybe tyler we didn't get to talk about it but I was actually in Nashville when the first one came through Nashville, and I was at a meeting. Um, and so I was had been meeting or, or visiting with my county mayors at one hotel downtown Nashville. I walk out, um, and I hit the, my phone, makes a noise. It's lightning everywhere. It's real calm. 
sliding yep. everywhere. Phone makes a noise, and the lights behind me, which was a double, like Fourth Avenue and Church, go out. I'm up on Sixth, Seventh Avenue and Church at the Homewood Suites, and I'm sprinting up the hill because my phone's going off. I have no clue what's going on. Been in, been in, hanging out with my mares. We actually talk about work stuff. We talk about personal stuff. We're family oriented. I have a good relationship with my officials, and just hung out with them and sprint back to the hotel. Uh, the lady at the hotel says, "Sir, are you okay?" And I said, "Ma'am." I just got a warning saying a touchdown or tornado touchdown northwest of TSU campus. And I said, that's not but right over here. And she's like, oh, my goodness. So people are coming downstairs, getting in the lobby, trying to get to the basement. It did go by us and, of course, hit East Nashville. And I have a sister-in-law, two sister-in-laws that live over there. And their their business was affected. It was damaged heavily. But they're okay, thankfully. So it hits here. I'm automatically on the phone with my wife that's home in Baxter. Um, I'm looking at the radar on the Weather Channel, which I don't know if that's even good to use. I'm probably going to use another app. I don't know, but it says it's going. It says it's just dying down to rain and going north, uh, north east of us. That's what it says. It was trying to, yeah. And so I told my wife, "Hey, this happened here," but and she's actually calling me because she saw it in Nashville, and she, and I said, "Look, doesn't look like it's going to do anything, but just be prepared." Next thing you know. She's calling me scared to death. So, what was the weather forecast that day? Do y'all remember? Yeah, it, the, the uh, weather, sir. We we work very well with the weather service. We have days in advance of, of you know predict severe weather. Uh, the day a few days before, we were we were in a marginal risk. We weren't even in a slight risk. And even that night, we were still the western parts of Putnam County were only in a slight risk for severe weather. Uh, but they did mention that possible tornadoes uh, could happen. Uh, it, you know, but as far as that severe of a tornado, mm-hmm. that was not predicted. Uh, yeah, in the forecast. I remember. I don't know if you remember Brandon, but on Monday during the day, I was actually texting you about scheduling the training room for a class. Yes, yeah. And I said, "What are you doing?" You're like, "I'm just waiting for the storms to see what the storms are going to do." Yep. That's exactly what you said to me, yep. and I thought. Where, where, is he somewhere else? Like, what is he talking about? <laughs> Most people think that on a normal day with me. And what I, world yeah. is he living in? And so I, w- I had was getting ready to go to the Predators game and all that stuff and never thought one thing about any potential storms. Um, and that, that hit me this morning that you and I were actually talking about that. So we'll get back into the weather. We're closing out our first segment just in a second, but we'll get back to the weather uh, and how, at what point this became serious. You're listening to News Talk 94.1 FM and 1600 AM. This has been Rogers, your host on Trending with Tyler Smith and Brandon Smith. We'll be back shortly. Welcome back to Trending on News Talk 94.1 FM and 1600 AM. This has been Rogers, your host. My guests today are the Emergency Management Agency Director, Tyler Smith of Putnam County, and the Assistant 911 Director, Brandon Smith, for Putnam County. They've been gracious enough to join me today just to recap kind of what happened last week and talk about the process and, and when things when they knew things could get serious. And we just talked about the weather forecast that on that last Monday and going into that night. And and Tyler, you had said you you stay in tune with the updates, weather updates, and what the forecasts are. You actually said you had a conversation with the National Weather Service that day. Yeah, we do weather briefings. Uh, you know, they do weather briefings every Monday. Uh, but when there's severe weather, they can uh, you know. We'll ramp those up and have a more frequent weather briefings. But, uh, yeah, we were aware of what we're, what we were you know, facing, uh, but not that severity of, a, of tornadoes. Uh, yeah, that, that evening uh, I went to bed and I woke up. Uh, my, my phone had woke me up. Um, it was uh, 
st- stating this, you know, severe weather hit, hitting Nashville area, I turned on the TV and uh, was watching uh, one of the news stations that's showing the Nashville area and started seeing power flashes. Um, and that's, that's when the, the tornado warning was issued for Nashville. And then they started getting confirmation it was on the ground. And, and I, I just got up and, and went ahead and went into the office because I knew we needed to be monitoring that. I think it's important for people to note, too, you know, you think of your emergency management agency, and, and this is something I say about Tyler all the time. Nobody understands how many times he's, you know, the man behind the curtain, as you would say in The Wizard of Oz. Right. He is the man behind the curtain, and while we're at home asleep, he's up monitoring these things, sure. even if it doesn't develop. But the potential for days like like happened last week is why he does what he does. And I don't think people realize that he's constantly thinking about how do we protect our community from this. Well, and I've seen uh, you're very good at Facebook posts, social media posts. And I've seen posts when I couldn't sleep or something at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Yep. And, and, he's up and, and hammering and it out. Alerts, yep. you know, and it's like, wow, are you, are you when do you sleep? So uh, you're exactly right, Brandon. I've seen that noticed that. Um, at what point, was it at that point in Nashville you knew it could be serious? Yeah, they – when I when I knew it was a direct line towards Putnam County, uh, you know, I got into the office, started getting all of our computers and monitors on, and just started watching the the networks. Uh, when it got into Wilson County, it started weakening, uh, and then it, on into Smith County, uh, it it just weakened quite a bit. But I was still posting that to Facebook, showing people that we still had some rotation in Smith County. But it wasn't until it got in just west of Baxter that it really started strengthening so what was the first alert that you guys had a tornado actually had touched down in putnam county well they had the severe thunderstorm warning um and then once we got that warning we're issuing those warnings out as well as the weather service that's getting getting that out to the public but um once that warning went down and we have a thing called national weather it's a weather chat so we get we get information straight from the weather service we can comment on what's going on here in putnam that's what the meteorologists in the on the networks are reading um, that we put in that weather chat. Yeah, so when they say they're crazy. talking about canceling this warning or looks like they're going to issue a warning, they're reading the same thing that we're reading, yeah, and, and everybody's talking back and forth trying to make the best. So that warning, yeah, when they issued that warning, um, you know, Putnam, Putnam County warning, um, you know, we set, we automatically sounded the sirens uh, at that moment. Uh, so each city within the county has sirens, so those were activated. Um, and we start, we had our storm spotters out prior to that. So we'd activated them uh, to be out in certain areas of the county. So we live uh, about four miles from Upperman High School, and my wife says she heard the sirens. You know, so but she of course had been talking to me. But that was my next question: At what point did you sound the sirens? You just answered that. So at what point did you know a tornado actually had touched down? Did somebody call nine one one call? I think first on the sirens too. It, it's important for people to understand those are outdoor warning sirens. Those aren't meant to wake you up if if you're inside your home. That's meant if you're outside in the yard or you're you're out that you hear that. Uh, our first notification once the warning issued and once it looked like there was the potential for a tornado. Um, I left the weather severe weather operations room and went to the 911 center, and within a minute, we were we were being inundated with 911 calls. Hundreds of calls coming into the 911 center, um, and that was what 150, 145, 150, you know, Tuesday morning of last week. So that was our first indication, and, and we haven't even had a chance to talk about this. So I don't know, did it have a debris signature? Was there a debris ball on radar? I didn't, I didn't see it. I, I did a later image. I did see that um, once it really got 
ramped up um, and moving. You you see those debris balls when it starts getting all that on. You'll see that on radar. So you'll see a ball, you'll see a ball on the radar south of yeah. the cell, and you'll see yes. debris in it. That, yes. Oh wow! You south can actually see the debris. The debris creates a signature around the base of the tornado, and so that's how you know. That's when the meteorologists are telling you on the news there's a tornado on the ground. That's how they know, and, and they're that. seeing that in yeah, Wichita. I'm sorry. See that? That's fine. You see the dan- This is a dangerous situation. That means there's a, a tornado confirmed. That means it's it's on the ground, yeah. and, and they had that in their statement. It's so, scary. Yes, it is. It, yeah, it is. How, how are the electronic alerts issued? I mean, weather services issuing those because the one I got yeah. in Nashville was weather service. Yes. Yes. So they come through the National Weather Service. They hit our emergency alert system, which is built to accept their alert and turn around and send it back out. It's called an IPAWS system, so it's a federal system. Um, we just we have the ability to send our own messages, but anything weather-related comes straight from the, the warning coordinator at the National Weather Service. Okay. So the tornado hits. We're in, in Putnam County, western Putnam County. The tornado hits. Uh, the first one was like an EF0 or 1, I think. Uh, what, what was the first one? EF0. EF0. And then it gets to an EF4. And, and before I ask how it got there, what does an EF4 mean? That's the the rating of the damage and the wind speeds. And I apologize for not having those uh, oh, that's okay. wind speeds. But, right. Uh, they estimated the EF4 being 177 miles an hour. Wow. Uh, the the EF zero was two separate tornadoes in the western part of the county. So that was um, an EF zero that was around the uh, St. Mary's Road area that crossed mm-hmm. from Smith County into mm-hmm. St. Mary's Road. Uh, lifted uh, most likely the same cell, but they count those as two separate tornadoes. So, uh, and I you I know you deal with the weather a lot, Tyler, but I don't think you're a licensed meteorologist, no. are you? Okay, so <laughs> I can say that you're not a meteorologist. He might as well be. Right, he's, right. He's who we all go to, and he's who we blame when it rains, too. <laughs> <laughs> and the teachers are mad at you because yeah. they don't snow enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, how does a tornado go from being an EF0 in western Putnam County near St. Mary's Road, Buffalo Valley, to an EF4 so quickly? How, how does that happen? Well, they were they were really shocked at the weather service. I talked to the, the meteorologist there at the weather service that was watching the radar that evening, and they were sort of like us. You know, we thought it, it's it's weakened in Smith County, but as they you know, sometimes the plateau and the Highland Rim can cause you know different variations of of you know the elevations um, can play a factor, uh, and it's just atmospheric conditions. Um, you know, there's a lot of things, dew points. There's a lot of things that go into it, but. Uh, they really couldn't explain why it rapidly intensified right in Putnam County uh, from an EF0 to an EF4 um, and weakened. But they did explain that if it hadn't been for the second cell that south of Cookville that redeveloped, it took the, the all the energy from that EF4-0, um, and they described to us that the path it took over Bob's salvage yard mm-hmm. if it would have stayed an ef4 we would have had missiles flying from those cars hitting tennessee tech and hitting cooper regional hospital because it was a beeline for that that direction so another sale sale developed calm that one and down it, and the same scenario happened in 74 uh two cells merged which these didn't merge this one cell this time took over the one that was coming in, into our you know, western part of the county, but it took over the energy and reformed the one, and it, it touched down a small tornado out in Dry Valley, just like we had in '74. Mayor Porter actually said when they were up surveying the damage, he said we were flying along in the helicopter and we were flying the damage path. 
He said, we got to the end of the path. You could still see debris. But he said, when we looked up, we were looking directly at Cookville Regional. So just the grace of God. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I – and that's, this is why I do this show. It's, it's to inform people and, and to and thank you again, guys, because you're giving me information that I know people are asking the same questions I am. One more on the on the path or how a tornado works, if you if you can answer. You you said the Highland Rim or the or the, or the valley may have played an effect on how a tornado acts, and that's what I was asked because really where my home is located, my family, my parents, and my brother, and my cousins all live on the same road within a half a mile of each other we're in that direct path so it must have been over us not touched down but over us and then it just built up and so the the valley could play effect on how that works it or or actually i I mean i'm a country boy so i say ridges and hollers (laughs) we live on a ridge and there's this big vast holler below me i mean i got holler all around me so does that play enough it can play a you know the way the directions and stuff people say you know the storms when they they split when they hit at Putnam County, but you know we've seen those happen and over time, but we haven't. They don't always happen like right. that. Uh, people think that you know if they live down in a holler or a low area that the tornado is going to go over them. Well, we've seen in Salina that 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 went down in the the lower parts of the valleys. I mean, it took down houses, completely destroyed those. So it doesn't actually just skip you. Uh, it's just it's odd to to see how they. How they travel across. That's good information. So if you're listening, you hear a tornado warning, no matter where you're at, take Take cover cover. and and be cautious. You're listening to News Talk 94.1 FM and 1600 AM. I'll return just shortly with Tyler Smith and Brandon Smith from EMA and uh, 911. We'll be back. Welcome back to Trending on News Talk 94.1 FM and 1600 AM. This has been Rogers, your host. I'm with Tyler Smith, the EMA director for Putnam County, and and Brandon Smith, assistant 911 director in Putnam County. We've been discussing last week's events with the tornado. We talked about the development of the tornado and, and how much damage or how big an EF4 can be or how devastating it can be. W- when you know it's touched down, you're getting 911 calls. You know, we have we obviously have def- destin- uh, devastation. We obviously have panic. We have tragedy. What's the protocol? So in the 911 center, and that's part of my function is overseeing the, the disaster preparedness side as well as the day-to-day operations. When it looks like it could be bad, I come into work. Um, and so having that extra staffing, had this been, had we seen this tornado on the ground in Nashville and had we been predicted to have long track tornadoes, like the day that, that Joplin was hit, the day Tuscaloosa was hit, those were long track tornado days. And so those things stay on the, the ground for a long period of time. Had we been predicted for that, we would have called in extra dispatchers. We would have been, you know, really ramping up for this event. We did like we do for, for most nights where they say there's a potential for spin-up tornadoes we had a couple extra folks we start answering the 911 calls and from there it's just a game of, of getting as much information as you can from each caller in a short period of time what's the address how many people are hurt is anybody trapped those are the three questions we ask then we hang up the phone and we move to somebody else it, it's totally unlike answering 911 calls on any other day where we want to know your name, address, phone number. We're going to ask you other questions. My partner's getting help on the way. You're just trying to answer the, the hundred or hundreds of 911 calls coming in and get what you can and move on to the next call. Well, and I – so you're busy taking phone calls. You're trying to get information. You cannot possibly stay on the line with everybody. No way. Because you got too many people to help. That's right. Um, 
who are the first ones on the scene? Now, I know neighbors technically and residents were the first ones on the scene, those that were not hurt. And even though some that were hurt were still helping neighbors, right. who are the first ones on the scene? Typically, for public safety, it's the neighbors who are responders. And so in this case, in each of the neighborhoods, very, uh, very weird, I guess, in each of the neighborhoods that were majorly destroyed, there was a first responder who lives in or near that neighborhood. And so for us, when we get those first responders who call in on 911 or they call us on the radio, we talk to them a little longer. But because they have the the state of mind, they're prepared for di- disasters. You know, they're trained and r- routinely practice handling chaos, so they can even step back away from their own family and their own situation and look around and just give us a, tell me how many houses are missing, tell me how many people you see, how many people do you think you hear screaming right now? You know, just things that you you never think you're going to have to ask your friends. Right. Uh, we were we were asking them. But these responders that live there, like you said, they're trained to be calm. Yeah. They're trained to to act swiftly but be calm and and provide as much help as possible and give you as much information. So gaining access to the sites is probably the first obstacle, I guess, for emergency responders. Yeah, it's trying to figure out what roads are open, what roads are closed. Um, But because most folks don't think of the fact in a neighborhood like this, you know, you have multiple ways into those neighborhoods for the most part. South Haven's a little different. There are only a couple of ways to get in there. But the others, there were you know three different directions we could have come from to get to some of these. And when you drive down the road and you can see the damage, but you can't get to it because there's a tree and power lines and all those things laying across the road that on a normal day, we would not be driving over power lines. You know, uh, In this scenario, uh, it becomes survival of the fittest. And, and you have responders that there's one story of, of a man, you know, that I think tells the story of everybody in those neighborhoods where they were trying to find clothes to put on. And uh, he said he looked around and, and God just had those, those clothes laid out for him. He put them on and was walking barefoot over houses that were piled up. Um, it, and the same thing for our responders, you know, that the guys who are out in the field, there are two stories of responders who lost everything they have and they were taking control of the situation in their neighborhood and they were helping their neighbors there's another one where the house was spared, and it was the only house standing in the subdivision in the neighborhood, and that's where all of the victims were coming to. It was the only thing they could see that was above the level of the ground, and so they started coming there, and they're waving flashlights out on, uh, at them trying to get them to come across the street and across the debris piles, and let's just start collecting people. Then we can get ambulances in here to start start carrying folks so when you when you get there and you see obstacles in the way do you press forward or, or get out of the car as emergency responders and go to people or do you have some equipment brought in as quick as possible it, it to- depends on the the neighborhood and what you see so most of them get out and go on foot and, and we had several issues or not issues but we had several times where somebody would call in and say hey this this fire truck or this ambulance has this number on the side of it where are the people that are working it and they're a mile down the road or a half mile down the road where they've been walking over trees and power poles and houses trying to get to people. Uh, and then you start working with road departments. And, of course, they're they're constantly monitoring these mm-hmm. things too. TDOT, right. great relationships with TDOT, Coville sure. Public Works, the road department, to start shoving stuff out of the roads and opening some roads up. We'll figure out what was in it in a few minutes, you know, look and make sure there are not people that need help in those, in those roadways. And then let's shove the stuff off the road so we can get things through. And so it becomes an issue, too. We had uh, our maintenance department was out there for a few days uh, just plugging tires because you're driving over nails. You're driving over people's houses. 
And so wow. a lot of flat tires, a lot of issues in the response. So once you gain access to the site and your people are in, uh, I guess the, the next thing search and rescue. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Once they're in, they start assessing. They start telling us how much of what they think they're going to need. How many ambulances do I need? How many fire trucks do I need? How many crews for search and rescue? How much law enforcement do I need? What are the specific needs? And and I think what's important for people to understand as well, each street that had major damage was its own incident scene. So there's somebody taking control at each one of those incident scenes in the 911 center and in the emergency operations center. We are supporting each one of those incident scenes. So any one of those streets getting hit by a tornado on a normal day would have been bad, but having multiple streets over a span of um, a half mile or a mile really stretches our resources thin. And I think it really showed what our responders are capable of because they said they were coming from everywhere. Like people didn't have to be called. They just showed up. Right. Once they heard on the news that a tornado had touched down in Putnam County, they just show up. Wow. And this is neighboring counties sending people oh, to, yeah. to first responders yeah, and the help. Surrounding counties. And, you know, we have folks that live in those subdivisions who work for other counties for right. law enforcement or emergency right. services there. And, and they, were, they were right up in the middle of it. So you've gotten 911 calls, and they've given you addresses. They've given you locations. of Given us road is. names, yeah. But when the, the tornadoes come through, it's obviously a lot of damage. I mean, yeah. you don't have box numbers, or you don't may not you don't have, have road street signs. signs. So nope. how in the world do you navigate that? I mean, I, I can't imagine. You, you, get, you know you got information, but you don't know if you can use it or not. Yeah, one of the telltale signs, or one of, one of the calls that sticks out in my mind was um, a responder that we were trying to talk to and figure out where they were, and we were talking to them on the radio, and we said, can you give us a location? And they said, I think I'm where Echo Valley Market used to be. I think that's where I'm at just because of what I see sticking up out of the ground. Um, and I can see the hill behind it. This, this looks like where Echo Valley Market used to be. And so they're just doing the best they can, looking around and being familiar with the neighborhood. We've since gone out. We had um, Our school system has been amazing, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, we had school volunteers who went out with white marking paint and actually painted the names of the roads at the intersections, painted the house numbers in front of the houses um, so that as we go through the recovery effort, they have points of reference out there because you're looking at flat ground and piles of debris. There's nothing recognizable in some of these places. So when you when you're, the first responders get there, they're obviously talking to people that live there that they can talk to, and they're, these neighbors are trying to help first responders, right. trying to help their neighbors. What do the first responders tell the citizens, the neighbors that are not first responders, what are they telling them? Hey, we got it. Can you no help way. us more? How, no. how does that work? The Most of the folks who were helping that were neighbors were also injured themselves. There are many stories of people who were out there that were injured themselves and had things that needed to be addressed, and they were dragging other folks out of piles of rubble out of their homes uh, and getting them out. And it, it it becomes a community effort at that point. It really is. And I, I think that's what, when I think of disaster, uh, what this has shown us, you know, we, we had a, a small dose of what it takes during the ice storm and some wind storms and flooding. But what this has shown us is when you think of the word disaster, you have to think of community response because it takes everybody. So there, there's a thing, some people are saying, well, 
you know, if you're a citizen, stay away. But this case, you're using them. Yeah, help, help as much as you can. We are, but we have to organize that. And right. so I, I think that's one of the things a lot of folks don't understand. And we can talk about the volunteer piece of it. But in those initial moments, we use every person that we had because there was no way you were going to get those people to leave anyway. Sure. They were there to help their neighbors, and they could tell you the names of the people they couldn't find. Wow. And we'll talk more about the volunteers. We're going to wrap up this segment um, just in a second. And well, when we get get back to the last segment, I do want to talk briefly about, you know, it's dark outside. How, how do you access? How can you see? What are y'all using? Talk about the cell phone towers not working. There's a couple of things. Then talk about the volunteers, and, and we'll wrap up. But thank you again, guys. We got one more segment uh, on News Talk 94.1 FM at 1600, and we'll be back shortly. Welcome back to Trending on News Talk 94.1 FM at 1600 AM. I'm visiting with Tyler Smith, our Emergency Management Agency Director, and Brandon Smith, the 911, Assistant 911 Director of Putnam County. We've been discussing last week's events. Uh, guys, we talked about the emergency responders and neighbors helping each other, the access to the sites. One of the questions I, I had, and I only saw a portion of, of the of what's happened in person. I, Charlton Square is only what I saw. I tried to stay out of the way. I, Brandon, you and I have talked Almost every day. What what can I do? You know, what is there something I can do to help you? I'm not trying to get in your way, but let me know. And uh, so I've only seen part of it in person, and, and that was devastating enough to me. But one of the things I was thinking about is how in the world could y'all see? How could you see? It's it's middle of uh, it's early morning. It's two thirty. It's what you know. How could you see to get to people? Yeah, uh, when our responders first got got on the scene, uh, flashlights was the only thing really they they could use. And lightning flashes uh, with the lightning, and that doesn't, you know, that, that goes away after a while. But, uh, you know, we do have light towers, but we didn't have, at the time, we were focused on injured, and we didn't have the resources at the time to get light towers out into the areas to, you know, get those uh, lit up. But mainly it was just uh, flashlights and and darkness of doing the best they can just to find their way through the rubble and trying to get people. So we know, so you're, you're, you're dark, it's dark, but communication's key, but we know phone lines are down, landlines, and That's we right. also know cell phone towers are not working properly at this time. Calls were hitting out. Yeah, I mean, it was just hit or miss. So how, how are people communicating? I know you have handheld radios. I know you have car radios. Were they working properly? They were. Yeah, the, that's what saved us that night was the radio network and the ability to talk to responders in the field. Even the firefighter that I was explaining was the only house standing. Um, he gave up on calling 911 because we just couldn't get through all of those calls. Sure. And uh, he picked up his radio and started talking, and that's how we were able to talk to him. And And it was a very emotional conversation on the radio, just trying to get him sure. to understand. We know we're trying. Yeah. We're really trying. So have y'all ever seen anything like this? I mean, you've been 34 years, 20 years. I mean, Mm-mm. no, no way. No way. Um, so we, we, we hope it doesn't happen again ever. Uh, you know, never, you don't ever know, but one of the reasons I want to have y'all on is the information y'all have given me and, and people listening is to me is very important. Uh, the weather radios, Tyler, I, I know they're so important. We actually have one. Um, but me not paying attention, the batteries in it were dead. So I got a good <laughs> lecture on that one when I got home, uh, after, after I got home Tuesday afternoon, uh, and gave my wife a huge hug and kiss and thank God for her being in front of me. But she said, Hey, we got to get this weather radio and got to get it ready. My mom and dad have one. And, um, how important are those? Very important. We, we, we preach weather radios because, you know, you can't rely on just cell phones 
uh, and television. When the power's out, you don't have television. If the tower cell tower sites are hit, you're not going to have a cell phone network. Uh, you need to have at least two sources. And a weather radio is one of the best resources to have to alert you. A battery backup, um, you know, it's uh, going to alert you on any type of warning. Um, so that's a lot of folks, you know, we get people coming in every day wanting their weather radio program. Mm -hmm. And the older radios were annoying because you would get warnings for surrounding counties, things that you really didn't need to be notified of. And they would get put in a a drawer and and closed up and turned off. Um, But, yeah, that's that's a lifesaver is is having those. And and the the time that when this tornado came through is really a a hard time because people are asleep. Sure. Uh, They weren't aware. Uh, Some people silenced their phones. They, you know, to vibrate, yeah. you know, some of them miss the alert, yep. uh, and those weather radios uh, will sound off and, and wake you up. So we know we've learned one thing about weather radios: you, you need to have them, need to be operating. What else has has Putnam County and you guys been able to learn from this devastation to be better prepared the next time if it happens? I mean, what what things have we taken away from this? I think for us in the the emergency operations center, the biggest thing, and, and Captain Christian from the Highway Patrol hit the nail on the head the other day. Uh, he said, you know, what makes this work is is we break bread on a normal day. We break bread on the worst days. Mm-hmm. And, and we're we're all friends. We all talk to each other all the time. Sure. You know, we're constantly collaborating and coordinating on day-to-day issues. Um, you know, knowing somebody well enough to know their spouse and their kids' names that that sets you up for days like this where or weeks like last week where you just you know who to call you can speak freely and, and you know somebody speaking freely to you you don't get your feelings hurt you don't get your toes stepped on we figure it out and we move forward right so the volunteers thing let's talk about that because that's just been a blessing it's been amazing and, and we're not surprised though are we i mean we aren't. Everybody who's come in from every state and national organization has said we have worked storms all over the country, all over the world, and they've told us we have never seen the volunteerism like we're seeing here. They, they said we've, we've never seen communities come like this. Who's coordinating the volunteer uh, process? Currently, Kevin Tucker. Uh, he's retired from Tennessee Tech, uh, you know, engineering background and um, has organizational background i mean you you just don't find um, people with the skill sets that he has but um, kevin tucker called the first day he called mayor shelton and said i want to help how can i help and we said absolutely Um, so he's kind of heading that up there are several other people who've been working on that you know jack duncan um, and there are several who have helped get it to where it is and uh, it's just it's amazing to see what people are doing it just brings tears to your eyes it's mm-hmm. it's it's crazy to see what communities not even here you know all over the country are doing for sure. us i just talked yeah. to a news station out of roanoke virginia that was bringing donations and they wanted to do a story while they were here yeah. it's just amazing well the the volunteer effort's been great and of course um every time i tried to inquire about what i could do i was told to do something different maybe coordinate some other way and or they were full of volunteers and the need yeah. for volunteers is going to be here for a while and i think people understand that i, I actually had a church from lewis county 
reach out to me yesterday and said, can we come in three weeks? I said, I don't see a problem with that at all. I think that would be a good time to come. They're going to bring their congregation. They're bringing $10,000 worth of cash donation. It's just blown my mind. Right. I've talked to at least six of my county mayors out of 13 that's coordinated uh, efforts to not only send people or get together goods to co- contribute, and I've directed them to the community center. And I've been on the phone with a lot of those people Um my aunt, my wife's aunt in Lawrence County, her her the whole county she's organizing through her yep. bank she works at sending stuff. It's just amazing, but there is a need for volunteers going forward. And there is. We want people to know that, so don't hesitate to to sign up. And there's a sign up process, correct? There is. There's a sign up process. We want people to know that that we we have controlled the volunteer effort as much as we can because homeowners want to go through their own belongings. They want to walk through their neighborhood. They want to dig through the rubble piles that are in those neighborhoods, and they want to find those personal belongings. They don't want people they don't know coming in and helping with that. And so they're bringing their own family and friends in, and that's why we've kind of slowed down a little bit on the volunteer stuff, and we're, we're trying to make sure homeowners get to get those personal belongings, the valuables, before the rain hits, before we bring in the, the mass effort of volunteers to start the cleanup process. And I think that's important because everybody wants to help but right now we're trying to protect those families and let them find what they can find. And there are some very valuable things they're finding from, from family members and neighbors that they've lost. Okay. That's good, good information to know. I actually came by the Tuesday, last Tuesday, uh, to see y'all at ELC and thank you for having me, Brandon and Tyler. Welcome me there. I just wanted to come to see what can I do for y'all. I didn't want to get in the way, but what I saw there in that EOC was controlled chaos and what i mean i don't mean chaos and negative light the the whole situation was chaotic but way y'all handled yourselves uh our county mayors city mayors um the sheriff's office city police uh ems all, all those people 911 you know it was just the health department was there we had people from the state i just looked i took myself back and just said wow you know this is absolutely amazing i can't believe how this is working so well i actually can but it just you you can't comprehend it till you see it so y'all did a great job on that i know it's the, just the day after actually that day of really um but i want to i want to thank some people and i, I don't want to get any names i can't get everybody's name but if i miss somebody let me know our first responders of course includes the EMA, includes EMS, 911, Sheriff's Office, uh, city police, firefighters, volunteer and city and county, uh, our county officials, our county mayor, highway department, assessor property. I know their staff was out there assessing damage, sure. which really they sh- that's kind of what they do. I mean, they assess the property in the county, but – you know, I talked to Steve Pearson, he, you and him talked, and you're like, yes, Steve, please come and help us. And he took, I think, five people yeah. with him, and they assessed, I think, 80% of the damage. Of course, Randy, Rescue Squad did a lot of that, too, yeah, once they were done with search and rescue. Rescue Squad, uh, Highway Department, Randy Jones and his staff were there trying to help. We have our utility companies. Our health department was there uh, helping out. And in the ELC and everywhere else, hospital personnel, you can't thank them enough for treating our people. Utility workers. Our neighboring counties, all of our churches that help, volunteers from everywhere, school employees, and you you know, you mentioned oh, they yeah. were painting, but some of them were in the EOC taking We emails, did. Our so. school system came came to bat for us, no doubt. Yeah. Like I mean, like no other organization I, I can see during this. So this is you know, it's been a, an unbelievable thing to to witness as far as how many people are helping. But it starts with people like you guys and our first responders and our neighbors and everything and just thank you so much. Um thank you for being here. If Thank y- you. y'all got anything else, I'm going to wrap up. 
appreciate y'all. If you need me, let me know. Uh, this has been trending on News Talk 94.1 FM at 1600 AM. We'll have a new show next week. Uh, this has been Ben Rogers with Tyler Smith and Brandon Smith. We'll see you soon.